What we do here is go back, 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 back. Welcome, welcome to the Hustle Sold Separately. We are a weekly podcast dedicated to all of you truly, truly amazing human beings that tune in every single week. I always say the revolutionaries, the uh, non-status quo, the creators, entrepreneurs, hustlers, innovators, artists, people in and around the world. You guys are constantly pushing boundaries, constantly wanting to question your path, do things differently. Maybe you're looked at as weird and crazy. Uh, you know, please tune into episode 400, the last one where I say you're not crazy. <laughs> you're actually in very good company. And doing anything from your heart is always the best way to go. And um, I've just really, truly appreciated you guys here for the last 400 episodes. And it's been an amazing ride so far. And we have another great episode today. Uh, for those of you that are a bit newer, it's nice to meet you. I'm Matt Gottesman. Thank you for being here. You can reach out to me on Instagram at Matt Gottesman. Uh, guys, listen, I've been answering DMs, texts, replies, and responses for the last nine years straight. I don't plan on stopping. I have never stopped across all the platforms. It's called community, and you guys are very much a big part of it, and we wouldn't have it without you. Uh, and you guys, you know, you can you can tell me what you're wanting featured. You can tell me feedback. You can ask me questions. Sometimes, especially lately, you guys have been asking me a lot from a mental wellness. I'm I'm here. Um, let's do it. So I just really really appreciate it. Thank you for all the uh, amazing feedback and for the ratings and reviews as well. And um, for those of you that are also a bit newer, uh, just a little bit of context. You know, I always say that uh, we don't glamorize or glorify end success. I think media, uh, I've been saying this for about seven years. Media has been doing that for a very long time. Entrepreneurship, creativity, building something you believe in, building on your passion takes time. Success is a very arbitrary word. It should be defined by you, the individual. Um, because success looks different to everybody. And uh, so it's, I think, important to note that because in the day and age of high visibility and highlight reels, that's not, don't let that define your success. You have to do the inner work to really understand what that, what you, success might be for you. And ultimately, usually moving within something that means something to your passion, your mission, your vision, your your purpose uh, and taking time to discover that and not feeling in a rush to find that uh, that's what we're here to do. So without further ado, I have another amazing guest uh, on the show today, Alex Duong. He's the CEO and founder of Ancient Provisions and uh, a truly r remarkable company. I was doing a lot of research on it already, but we're going to have him talk a, a bit about it. And, you know, we're going to dive into a lot of different um, topics. We're going to talk about um, you know, sustainability. We're going to talk about, uh, you know, gut health. Uh, you guys already know how much I um, have been on a health journey the last few years about what goes in our body. Um, how does that affect other aspects of us uh, from our brain to our performance to our um, sustainability? Um, we're also going to talk about, you know, the CPG, you know, consumer product goods, right? Like how um, is, you know, what did Alex see in that, uh, industry 
and um, needing to change in accordance with, okay, here, I want to bring a very healthy product to the marketplace and I want to do it differently. And I want to work, uh, you know, it, creating sustainable supply chain. Um, you know, I want to meet customers where they're at. Um, right. You know, I think we've talked a little bit about this before, uh, with our amazing guest from Taika, right. You know, it's like, sometimes it's hard to get people to see, to make changes for things that, you know, um, are good for their health because they feel like they have to sacrifice taste. They have to sacrifice, um, you know, uh, things that they, they want to naturally consume and eat. And I can tell you from my own personal health journey, I actually, the stuff that I eat now and prepare now and the ingredients I use now, they crush the things that I used to eat completely. Like it's just, you just sometimes don't know what you don't know until you have people like Alex and others that come out uh, and say, Hey, there's an alternative way to approach um, the foods that we eat. So we've got him on the show and I'm really, really excited. Just a really quick background. Prior to founding uh, Ancient Provisions, he worked across a variety of retail channels in natural food space, focused on where food meets technology. Okay. He, uh, his time was spent at Whole Foods, Thrive Market, The Goods Mart, and Garden helped him develop a deep understanding of early stage CPG operations. Guys, that is not always easy, <laughs> particularly supply chain, production, packaging, and ingredient sourcing. And then after witnessing the life cycle of many food and beverage trends, he identified an untapped opportunity in green banana flour, which could be used to create gluten-free, grain-free, prebiotic products. And Angel Provisions Green Banana Flour also utilizes a sustainable supply chain. And by going from farm to mill, the company is also able to drive better outcomes for its suppliers, the farmers, uh, creating a more sustainable business model. And uh, his diverse past experiences, such as working on community-based farms in Europe, teaching nutrition at a nonprofit elementary school, combined with growing up in Hakka Chinese family. You, you know, ultimately, I would love for you to just like go and into the educational system as a whole <laughs> and start teaching nutrition. But that's another another thing for a minute from now. But um, and just really drawing from a lot of cultural experiences uh, and firsthand understanding the, you know, the American shopper. Right. So Ancient Provision seeks to meet customers where they're at, as I mentioned, offering a better for you take on classic snack favorites. That tastes great and can also offer functional benefits. Key phrase there, which we're going to talk about. Uh, and I love what he does in his free time. He also enjoys traveling, meditating on his uh, morning espresso ritual. Uh, likewise, uh, cooking in his kitchen. He's also an avid longboarder, fluent in three languages, classically trained violinist, and holds a second degree black belt. Doesn't sleep, actually. <laughs> uh, actually, probably gets probably the optimal eight hours, I'm sure, a night. Alex, thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate having you. Yeah, thanks for thanks for having me on. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, incredible background, incredible journey. I like the fact that you were very much immersed in CPG and understanding, um, you know, all the logistics and all of the the, the key touch points. Um, but how do we get here today? I was mentioned before the show started. Like you can go as far back as you want, but um, you know, this dedication to healthy food that has functional purpose without having to kind of hinder on the consumer's like natural habits, right? I think that's one way to get them to start like <laughs> switching over to the other side. Um, I would love for you to kind of talk about your own journey throughout this process as you got here. And then, you know, we're going to go from there. Yeah. Um, so I won't start at big bang theory. Right. <laughs> I, will start, I will start in, in this millennium. Um, you know, I've, I, I was, I was born and raised in the Valley here in LA. Um, 
my family immigrated here from Vietnam. We have a really tight knit family. I like to say I, we should make a movie about my family one day. And I've told Maddie a few stories, you know, that, that you know, why my family is movie like. But, um, you know, we have 55 family members that live within five minutes of my parents' house. Mm. And wow. so that's that just means that, like, family dinner on Saturday at my grandma's house is 25 people every time. Mm. And, you know, it's and that's like 15 courses for sure if we're doing dinner together. And, you know, my mom growing up, we had a three-course meal every day. So usually it's two proteins, a veggie, and a soup. So really four courses probably. Um, and that showed me, like, how important – food is for bringing people together. Um, we also grew a lot of produce in our backyard. So like across our whole family, I used to call it like the barter family dinner was kind of the barter situation. So like we might trade our avocados for their loquats okay. and they trade that for their tomatoes. This other person has oranges, another person has lemons. And so food has always been a big part of our lives. Um, I've eaten until college. I probably had maybe a hundred frozen meals in my life. Like it was not a common thing to eat in my household. Um, my mom really cooked from scratch and like really, sh- and the crazy thing is my mom had never cooked until she came to America hmm. in the eighties. Like grew, my mom grew up very privileged in Vietnam and like learned how to cook and like saw how important it was. Uh, fun fact there, like my mom um, got very, very, very deep um into 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 the kind of understanding and like my mom made bone broth soup for me every week since we were like newborns mm, lucky you and <laughs> it's wild because bone broth has only been a thing in america in terms of like mass trend like in the last five years yeah right and like my mom's been doing that forever um in terms of you know my journey into this space you know i i kind of knew for a long time that i that i cared deeply about doing something tangible. Um, I knew that I wanted to buy stuff because I cared about researching quality of stuff, how stuff is made. I love that story, whether that was like building my first computer at the time or buying clothes and being into social impact and understanding like, huh, I don't know if I need to buy a t-shirt that's made by someone in another country that like needs to tell the sustainable story, but I do care about like where the cotton came from how the business was made, where it's from, what are the ethics of that business? Um, and, 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 you know, dealing with kind of the conflict of those two thoughts. Um, in college, I thought I wanted to be a, in finance like everyone else. So I explored the banker route, the corporate finance route. Fun fact, you know, some of my, I used to write checks to a lot of, process the checks for a lot of A-list celebrities when I was at Comcast Entertainment um, for anyone that was on any of the shows on E! Entertainment, um, which taught me like, look, these are very normal people. They collect paychecks just like us, even though they're bigger than ours and have more zeros, but they have the same problems we have. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if I really want to work in those problems specifically. I tried wealth management, didn't really want to do that. Um, Then got into, got like, even then still kept kind of going down that path, got the dream internship to go work at a big bank um, in New York or to go work for Bain. And I decided, you know what? It's not what I want to do. I got accepted to study abroad program. What am I going to do with my time this summer? I want to go work on farms. I want to go work on farms, in Italy, France, and Spain. Uh, Spain or Italy was first. Italy was entirely barter-based. 2,000 families that built the community all around bartering food like my family. So it was my family times 100. Wow. Um, France was Nigel and Lene, met each other when they were 18. 
realized that they both were value aligned. Nigel proposed to Renee actually the first night he met her and decided that they were going to build a farm in the south of France together um, 30 years later. And he did it. And they had one of the most successful sought after CSAs in all of France, um, have built this amazing community there by making CSA a dinner experience. And then in the south of Spain, worked on a farm there. It was entirely uh, rehabilitation. So it was helping troubled youth avoid jail in London. Instead, they could go to the south of Spain, work on a farm, become a certified farmer, hmm. and then be reintroduced to society. Wow. Came back and I'm like, man, this is amazing. What do I do? Because I had just been doing not normal stuff for a while. You know, I mean, even my diet was completely off because I was eating stuff that was only grown on farms. Um, as much as I love In-N-Out, I actually got really sick eating In-N-Out when I got back to L.A. Um, I didn't swear off In-N-Out, but it did teach me that when you change your diet, you do have to kind of quietly adjust back before you can just go dive right into your double-double. <laughs> um, <laughs> then I, uh, you know, kind of wanted to stay in the vein of figuring out how to do social impact in food. So I did what you're talking about, Matt. I actually went and taught kids eight through five, how to cook, garden, and eat. Um, we made up jingles for each recipe. We taught the kids what they were going to eat. We went and harvested it. We washed it. We chopped it up. We ate it. My favorite thing, which I recommend for all parents out there, um, it's changed kind of how I think about children in terms of food. Do not let your kids say things are good or yucky, good or gross. Ask your kids why. It's good because it's slimy. It's good because it's gross because it's slimy. It's good because it's crunchy. It's gross because it's bitter. Because as your child's palate develops, they will start to understand things that they thought were yucky three years ago are not so yucky now. Mm. You have to let the kids develop their food vocabulary so you get to grasp and understand why they don't like things. It's not that they don't like specific foods. They don't like specific textures or, or feels or flavors normally. So talk through that with your kid as young as, young as possible because you're going to be blown away with the words your kids come up with after a year of doing that exercise. Like I had kids that were six years old tell me that I don't like this because this is umami. <laughs> what? <laughs> that, that's kind of, you know, the experience of kind of my college experience. Graduated, um, started a company called, called Artful Planters, where we actually created, uh, I was too early on the trend. Uh, we, we were creating art and furniture for people using, using reclaimed wood made from pallets mm. um my friends laughed because when i first did it everyone's like you're crazy man and then two years later every mall in america had reclaimed wood everywhere every store did right. it um i was just a little bit too early and wasn't able to like catch that wave um so left that and thought i wanted to be in sales and thought the reason why i failed was i wasn't good enough at sales and I, so i sold industrial supplies for a company called granger uh strange company uh in terms of you know, everyone, they, they, they literally are providers for the U.S. government and every major corporation in America, but not generally uh, the company that people think of as cool and you want to go sell for. But I did sell to like all the people that made food here in L.A. and realized like, man, I don't really want to be selling stuff to people who make food. I want to be on the food side. So uh, I joined Whole Foods in 2014 uh, on the beer, wine, cheese, and charcuterie side, onboarding early stage brands and really helping them succeed in the stores. And then a year later, or a year and a half later, I joined Thrive Market. I met the founder, one of the co-founders of Thrive Market, Kate, through the work at the garden. She was a board member at the garden. 
Um, the garden was called the Garden School Foundation. Thrive Market back then was Whole Foods meets Costco online. Um, everyone thought it was kind of a crazy idea, but you know, seven or eight years later now, everyone knows what Thrive Market is. Um, especially you know during COVID times, it really came in handy. Um, so at Thrive, I started as a junior buyer there, and I left as the head of procurement, helping them manage their supply chain, um, helping them manage their demand planning and forecasting, understanding trend. This is kind of how I built this brand. Um, did that for about two and a half years. And over the last four years, I've been really focused on understanding new channels. So I helped Rachel um, Krupa launch the Goods Mart in New York, in, in New York and L.A., um, I helped a few other clients with the DTC businesses and I helped build ancient provisions. Um, you know, I spent my time there mainly, um, figuring out, you know, why we do what we do. I would say quick synopsis of why we do what we do really realized like, look, there's a lot of almond crackers out there, but we can't all eat almonds. Like there's just not a world where America and the world can be fed on almonds. So that's problem. Number one, problem. Number two, um, allergens are becoming rampant. And, you know, there's so many things for parents out there, like you can't bring peanut butter and jelly to school. You can't bring a lot of cheese products to school these days. You can't bring meat in, in, in a lot of ways to, to, to common events that you're going to have at school. And so to like really build a product that can kind of meet these really stringent standards, but still have the fun that kids and adults want to like, right? And then that's the first trend. Second trend, I think, or the third, that was the second trend because the first one was almonds. The third trend was, and what is something that's like a health thing that we're all feeling that we're, at least people that are aware of it, that we're all for sure going to feel in the next five to 10 years. And that's gut health. Um, mm -hmm. I think COVID also accelerated the awareness of that yeah. because a lot of people were not eating so well during COVID and you're also not exercising so well. And you're not living your normal life. And so the core, you know, the five core pillars I like to say about gut health are it affects your mental health. It affects your skin health. It affects your digestion, obviously. It affects your hormones. And it affects your insulin response. Um, insulin response, you know, being tied to diabetes, which I think most people would agree is the biggest epidemic in America at the moment. Mental health in terms of just like being normal, being, being the best you, right? Digestion, I think that's self-explanatory. Mm -hmm. Skin, you know, I like to think of skin health as a delayed response to your food. Yes. People don't think about it that way. They're like, oh, my skin's so bad. And it's like, uh, well, you're probably eating something and stressed about something. And the combination of those things is this is kind of a report card of where your body is at in some ways. Um, so, yeah, that's who I am. I know that was a little bit long. No, I actually thought it was really well stated. And you brought up a lot of really great points. Um uh, I'll start at the, the more recent ones. And there's a couple other things I thought were really amazing in there. Uh, first of all, I love the fact that you're like, yeah, um, you know, was there a little early to that? You're crazy. You're crazy. You're crazy. <laughs> I mean, it's, it, it happens. I think a lot of times um, from an innovative and creative place, it's hard sometimes for people to see the bigger picture, even if the evidence is right in front of you. Right. Um, but what you were saying with mental health, skin health, hormones, insulin response, digestion, these are serious things. And I think that people don't place enough emphasis on how it's affecting their entire world and everything else that's going on within them. All the way just to simple things as clarity and direction for their own life, if you will. And I know it's easy. A lot of there's a lot of foods out there that are easy from convenience. 
But if you don't put yourself first, your health first, everything else, what is it for? You know, and, and you're right with that part where you brought up about the stress and, and the skin. You don't, you know, I think a lot of people don't realize that um, diet, diet, diet. When I say diet, I mean like just lifestyle, like food, 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 food. People also, I think, have this weird, like, oh, I don't want to diet. It's like, no, it's all like bad foods and uh, boring foods. And I want to, I don't want to live. I don't want to be one of those people. And you're like, you're not. First of all, they're not necessarily healthy either. <laughs> the ones that sacrifice. It's about the combination of really great foods that are actually working for your body. Um, and you can even, in some cases, have that reverse aging going on. I mean, my skin has never been healthier, man. It's like, it's crazy, right? And the clarity from the foods. Um, I also love the fact that you had this, this amazing journey of, and we'll come back to that gut health in a minute, but this amazing journey of, you know, working for these different, um, these different type of companies that were all in some way related to future, future Alex. Right. And like, or when you were even like on the farms or, um, uh, and when you were teaching kids and like you essentially every aspect of a business that you would eventually own, you're like, do you're working within each of those parts. So I was like looking back and connecting the dots. I think it was pretty incredible. Um, and, um, when you're talking about the trends, you know, you're saying like, we can't all eat almonds and allergies are becoming more rampant. I did want to ask a quick question about that health in America is a really, it's a big deal. We're, we're, we're having, we're having issues. If it's never been more apparent, it should be now. Um, did this country cause those same problems that everybody's having? I think it's obviously a combination of things. I'm sure. <laughs> I think part of health is also self-awareness. There it is. Right? Which is, you know, there I think is. what a lot of podcasts in the universe are trying to explain to people. Like, look, guys, it, whether this is a social commentary on how crazy we are, or, you know, someone trying to promote what they believe or talk about what they believe, a lot of this is self-awareness. Yes. Thank you know, you. And, thank and, you. and the truth of self-awareness is, can you even in America objectively say you have felt who you really are or are you living a life that your mom has projected on you your dad your boss your grandpa your wife your sister your brother your your girlfriend your boyfriend your partner whatever that is you know like are you self-aware enough to be like i under all circumstances given any parameter would still do what i want what, what i'm doing now like, are you eating a Big Mac because you saw a Big Mac ad or because you can afford to eat whatever you want and you chose to eat a Big Mac? And like being aware of that decision in terms of, and I say, and I always say I pick food because that's an easier one, right. right? But like you can get into like eccentric ones, like, you know, like for example, like a t-shirt. Why, why are you wearing this specific t-shirt? Why not the Fruit of the Loom t-shirt? Why not the Pro Club? Why not the Gap shirt? How did you choose those brands and the brand that you chose to wear? And, and being aware of like how that is being changed. And I think sometimes, especially when it comes to health, people are like, oh, I don't eat that because it's gross. Well, I like to go back to the kid thing right. of like, are you, have you even used non-gross or good, bad words right. when it comes to food? And if you don't even have that range, it's a little terrifying. 
because it's something you put in your body every day, right? Like it's okay to say, oh, I don't really care about if I don't know, like that's a good looking car or a bad looking car. Well, cool. Like cars are not key to your well-being, right? But food is like you can't choose to not eat. That's not the way the universe works. And so I find that self-awareness when it comes to food is interesting because I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. I, I, I eat the, the gamut. There's days where I wake up and I'm like, you know what? I need some wings and I need some fries. And that's okay. Yes. Because I know that I'm comfortable making that conscious decision. But I'm not like walking down the street thinking I'm going to get a salad. And then there's a wing stop and I stop there and I get the 20, 20, 20 wings and then be like, oh, shoot, I'm going to get a salad. You know, like I, I think there's a certain you need to be aware of why you're eating what you're eating and like how you kind of normalize that. Right. And I think in some ways we diet shame that in a lot of ways where it's like, Oh dude, you're such a buzzkill. You're eating whole 30 in January. Like you, that means you're not going out for the whole month. And practically that's what a lot of people do. And there's nothing wrong with it, but I think it's like, how as a society do we have more of these conversations around why you eat what you eat, how you eat what you eat. And you know, being a little bit more conscious and, and, and being a little bit more informed. Because I think right now it, it, we're really polar. You have the yeah. guy who only eats salads right. <laughs> with chicken and red meat's the devil. Right. Or you have the guy who's like, nah, I don't eat salads. That's for rabbits. I eat burgers with extra onion rings on it and barbecue sauce. There's The truth is it's probably somewhere in the middle. You know, I... I done i think we can just leave the episode right there if we do <laughs> it's all the self-awareness part consciously making decisions every single day knowing why we're making those decisions and being comfortable with them either way is a huge thing and you're right there's a lot of um of side taking and polarization and a lot of different things versus just saying listen it comes down to an innate knowing of who you are where are you at and what would you like to build upon for yourself? And how are you making key decisions? Because I think that what is, you know, to your point about, you know, look, in, in, this, in this country, the options are plenty. And you can, for the most part, do whatever you want. Um, and I think what has innately happened is that people also forgot the responsibility that comes with the freedom of being able to do whatever you want. And if we're not careful with that responsibility, that can definitely show up in all areas of our life, especially our health, right? So uh, I think you make a very, very, very valid point in that. And that, um, you know, self-awareness, while you're right, every podcast and every piece of content out there, everything, you know, a lot of people try to talk about it, but in act, but embodying it is a different story. And I think that you, to your also the other point about like, you know, diet shaming or body shaming or this and that, it's like, and I tell everybody, I'm like, listen, you just have to pick a starting point and show yourself grace in the building up of um, yourself into these habits. What took you a long time of not doing something may take the same amount, if not maybe even a little bit longer, maybe a little bit less time to now institute better habits in those same areas, show grace, you know, but um, I think as a culture, sometimes it's a little of an impatient society we live in 
and also to your point of uh, judgmental of like why are we choosing like well that these cars and these things and in this fashion all this other stuff again this if we worry about other people's perceptions and judgments we've lost we've lost because then we're not worrying about the most important person in our lives ourselves and ironically if everybody did that <laughs> and then opened up their perceptions and their their ideologies they would constantly be all like asking each other questions and naturally curious about each other versus saying this is the only way to be don't you dare force it on me don't you dare force it on me it's like well hold up a second <laughs> so um so i love that you bring that up I, you know all of those points um what is the resistance do you think what, what is some of the resistance that you think that people struggle with when they think of healthy foods like it you know outside of what you're mentioning that can start very very I'll, young I'll, I'll give you a really really easy one that uh, almost yes. every listener on your podcast understands why is it seltzers are cool today and mike's hard lemonade wasn't cool five years ago right <laughs> it's the same thing marketing if you rolled up to a party with mike's hard lemonade in college right Five years ago, and I think you're in Phoenix. Like, if you roll down the street to right. Tempe and you right. rolled up with Mike's Hard Lane to a party <laughs> on a Friday, you would be laughed out of the party. And yet, today, when you go to a party, everyone's got Trulies, everyone's got the same seltzer. Right. It's it, a little bit of it is positioning, a little bit of it is yes. American extremism. And I, and I say extremism in, in terms of our culture. Right. I, the, the best example of this is also in, in beverage. We. We refuse to make something good until we're so poo-pooed on it that we become extreme. It's like everyone drank Natty Light and Bud Light and it was cool until the craft beer movement happened. And then we got to the point where we're making blueberry cheesecake beer. <laughs> and nobody else in the world so is doing true. that. But that's the most American thing where we're like, fine. there's probably oh. ranch beer somewhere in America that someone's making because Americans are sick in that way. Like, we don't care. And the moment that we care, we take it to the level where it's like, yo, you need to relax. Like, nobody needs to have blueberry cheesecake beer. Uh, it's it's well put. I, I think um, trends are one thing for sure. I think that uh, a lot, oh, yeah, and positioning all, all the way. Um, you know, there's good marketers and then there's everybody else in marketing. <laughs> but, um, you know, do people struggle... So I guess I'm playing kind of devil's advocate, not devil's advocate, but like kind of now knowing what I know because I've spent um, time with nutritionists the last like four or five years. Beforehand, I knew I wanted to be healthy, but either from, uh, and I wasn't, I wasn't out of shape. I just wasn't in any kind of a shape. Like it was good and I would work out, but we all know that really uh, I won. I didn't have enough um, capacity for the amount of creativity and content and for what I was doing with my businesses. Um, so I needed, I was tired and that wasn't going to work anymore. I was burnt out. Um, and two, um, you know, I knew I wanted to eat better, but I definitely had this kind of notion of it's really like, oh, okay, better means usually a bunch of stuff that I, I may not be interested in. And it wasn't until I started working with nutritionists that actually gave me like recipes and meals to cook and things like that. I'm like, this is incredible. I'm like, this is actually even way better tasting than other things. I, you know, we didn't know, I didn't know what I didn't know. And that's, that's perfect. That's how you learn. It's how you, you know, humility to go out there and find out the answers. But is that part of the resistance? People just naturally think that like, oh, like, but 
eating healthy is boring? Is that like something that or or tedious and tiresome to try to figure it out? What do you think is, uh, is some of the resistance there? I think it literally comes back to the lack of food vocabulary. Yeah. I like, think about it, right? Like yeah. females and males are a little bit different in this conversation in that like females go through diet changes because because they have their own issues of, 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 of that are related to female health mm-hmm. that are a little bit different than males, right? I mean, there's a whole world of, I get really, really nuanced to things I've, did, I've dove into. So a fun party topic that my friends are literally throwing at me now these days are like, oh, Alex knows all about vaginal health. Like, go talk to Alex about <laughs> vaginal health. <laughs> like, wait, that, I didn't even bring this topic up. But no, there is like, you know, a whole realm of vaginal health as it applies to gut health for mm-hmm. microbiome because women have a vaginal microbiome that actually is very, very, very closely tied to their gut biome. And that leads to a variety of issues. Men don't have this, don't have the equivalent of that. And so like, as we talk about food in, 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 in male culture, usually the, the dudes that I know that start eating healthy, it's females or partners in their lives or health issues that change that dynamic that make that way more relevant for them. But it's very rare that I've, I've never seen a table where like, it's like five dudes are sitting at a table talking about health and why they should be eating healthy. Cause if they were doing that, they probably wouldn't have gone out to eat. Right. Right. They would have definitely been probably cooking it at home somewhere, yeah, they would be cooking <laughs> somewhere or they'd be at sushi. Right. But generally you also don't see five dudes trying to eat sushi together. You know, and, uh, you know, it's interesting because a lot of this, a lot of this goes back to, you know, we also have a system that doesn't exactly, um, you know, uh, celebrate this type of stuff uh, for a lot of reasons that we don't have to get into. But like, you know, I remember seeing my father in the hospital um, uh, for routine procedure. He did not make it out. And when they were cooking, not excuse me, (laughs) cooking, when they were bringing food to his bedside, I was like, you're out of your effing mind. You're at it like my mom and I would bring them all kinds of like greens and good healthy foods and broths and like, you know, it was just amazing. I'm like, this is allowed in the hospital. Like, what do you mean? And they even show like the heart healthy menu. What? <laughs> like, what? Now, that's a whole other rabbit hole. And that's a whole other, you know, and I think that, you know, in the schools, the educational system, like there's obviously there's a lot of from, you know, a lot of different reasons. Uh, but I think that there's that lack of, um, of education that is missing from, because like, you know, you see it all the time. People are like, Oh, I'm not really not feeling this. I'm really not feeling that, but they don't seem to want to like start at their health. They're like, Oh yeah, I'll just go to a doctor. And then the doctor's like, okay, well we'll just prescribe this. And it's like, huh. <laughs> so it's supposed to make it all go away. And what, is ironic to me there is that I'm like, you cannot escape the work. Just get over it in everything. You want to learn about your finances? You got to learn about your finances. You want to learn about your health? You got to learn about your health. I'll, I'm sorry. I'll give, you a real, I'll give you a real simple example, right? Yeah. This is, this is someone that's you know very important to me. My, my aunt and my family diagnosed pre-diabetic. Her diet was not doing too hot, right? Mm-hmm. In six months, she came back. She's no longer pre-diabetic. Mm-hmm. Her doctor's like, what? We, this, isn't, this is really uncommon. These results are kind of weird. Like we should run them again, run them again. They're correct. This is what she did. She strategically cut down her rice intake about 75%. Amped up the fiber, managed the meat a little bit more, managed the seasoning a little bit more, 
That was it. Mm-hmm. She's cool now. She lost 20 pounds. Right. That's that's sometimes that's all it takes, man. Like yeah. it but to say that's all it takes is a little bit of a it, some people see that as condescending, but it's like no, at the, like fundamentally if you want to live longer, you need to be more in, as important as it is to be self-aware, it's also be to be important to be aware of yes. your health. Right? I mean, there's this whole campaign happening right now around the country. I don't know if you've seen it on the radio or anything. Um, whole campaign that's all around trying to prevent blindness in men. And the blindness in men is because they're undiagnosed diabetics. And like their diabetes has progressed so far that they're becoming blind. And basically the um, the nonprofits that are, and, and the donors to the space are basically realizing that like having these people go blind impacts productivity in America so much that we're basically going to run a campaign explaining to you, if you are even remotely feeling these symptoms, come in and get treated now, because if you go blind, there's no reversing that. That's too late. But that's very American in terms of like, you got to the point where you can't even see anymore before you went to the doctor. Unbelievable. And and there, I love how the primary concern is, well, we don't want to lose your productivity. And, it, <laughs> and I'm just like, you know, caring for people at first will actually still get you your 10x return just from simply caring for people. That's that's a concept, too. Uh, Correct. I, and I, you know, interesting, though, too, where you're bringing you're, you're absolutely right. They, there's only two times my, my father was ever in the hospital. Uh, I come from a very holistic, health-conscious mother. Uh, I mean, everything. We were taking flaxseed at like ten, like oh, the oil, <laughs> you know, and echinacea and stuff. Um, but my father had uh, stage four prostate cancer. Doctors are like, you got a few months, and my mom's like, oh hell no. And uh, they want to do all these different treatments. They're like, we'll do some of the radiation. Like you can keep your chemo, you can keep your this, you can keep your that. We're not gonna kill this man. She's like, I'm in charge. Takes him home, feeds a regimented, healthy nutritional like lots of greens lots of uh good uh you know healing uh veggies you know lots of fish and fish oil like the right kind like just the right kind amount of meat nothing crazy just really regulating five months he goes back and they're like uh you shrunk your psa down all the way to like almost like we don't know what happened while you're like the the cancer shrunk like um you know can we retest again like we're not really sure and i'm like you're a doctor. You're not really sure, you know? And I remember saying, and they're like, well, you know, it's just, it's unusual to see these results. I'm like, well, what did you prescribe before to be done? And he, I was, he didn't realize what I was doing. And he's like, well, we prescribed to do all these things. I'm like, right. And, and, and then you not normally used to seeing these results. He's like, no. And I'm like, well, we didn't do what you had prescribed. Health, Correct. Right. You know? I mean, I mean, this is where, like, look, I really appreciate doctors. I think the medical Absolutely. system is, is deeply needed. Absolutely. I think where the gap is similar to the words that kids have to describe food, the nutrition education of doctors in America is lacking. Right. And how as a whole, you know, like, for example, like, I have a friend who's an ophthalmologist. And I was asking her about, like, the applications of paleo and other, like, inflammatory, anti-inflammatory diets, mm-hmm. right, which are... Look, for the average person, I fully admit that, and I, I don't subscribe to paleo, but I fully agree that like inflammation, it probably makes you feel 5% better. But she has said, for example, for people who have deep glaucoma, intense glaucoma, um, paleo actually reduces the inflammation of their eyes where they mm. actually have a significant improvement in quality of life. But it is a unapproved 
diagnoses. So she can say, I had a patient who tried this and felt this, but she cannot prescribe the paleo diet, for example, hmm. which and, is, you know, that, 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 that's also very American in some ways. Right. And, and, it's such a, and I, I completely agree with you. I've got several friends uh, uh, that are doctors um, because they're into their nutrition and health. It's it's the same. And, and, and they'll say like, yeah, you know, I, I, the respect I have for doctors is we're here to assist the process, not suppress it. <laughs> one of my friends said that I'm like perfect uh, he's like we're here to assist not to suppress and so um, you know they can't prescribe but they can um, you know say hey here's what I'm noticing with myself and others you might want to you know it's uh, let me know how that goes um, all right so switch switching the tone a little bit because I, I, I want to also bring some other awareness to what you, you're doing with with ancient provisions um, so you're working with farmers across 15 countries to reduce waste. So, so, so that so we can so that everybody listening realize it's it's not only just about health. Let's just also talk about good business. I would love for you to talk about like what's happening, how that, you know, how how you created that, you know, the basis behind it, uh, the the mission behind it, and we'll go from there. Yeah. So you know, bananas are we, we one of the reasons why we pick bananas and. This is one of those questions of like, how many layers of the onion do we want to peel back right, right. away, right? Um, bananas are grown over 100 countries around the world. They're very sustainable in terms of like water usage, watershed usage, footage needed. There's there's far more diverse bananas than we know, right? Um, the unique thing about a banana flower is it can be made from varieties of a wide variety of bananas because we're using the bananas when they're green. Mm. Um, when you eat bananas normally, they're, when they're yellow, they all you all expect a specific flavor, right? But that comes from the variety. When they're green, they all taste the same because there's no sugar in the bananas. Um, and they all kind of look the same in terms of the flower in the end. So as a result, you know, we, we really went on this journey of, of, of cultivating, finding cultivation partners around the world that can produce banana flour. To make banana flour, basically, you buy the bananas from the farmer. They wash the banana peels real quick. They blanch them. They put them into a, a basically a hot water bath. They peel them. The bananas are actually hard, so hmm. like very very firm. Um, that then gets milled. That gets you know milled even more fine, and then it gets dried and it gets bagged. Um, it's the same process regardless of where it is in the world. It's a matter of if they are open to doing this kind of work. Um, we started in India. 15 countries is kind of where we have contacts. We haven't yet fully set up in all those countries to be, to be totally fully fair. We're fully set up in about three countries. We're currently utilizing about one to two of these countries at any given time. Um, and the model basically is, you know, a traditional banana farmer grows his bananas. He then has to wash them, sort them, bring them to market. Um, depending on if he's selling locally, he might sell more yellow bananas, like, riper bananas locally if he's exporting he so he puts that into a container they ship that they sell that to another person that ships it to the to let's say the u.s in america we have these giant gas chambers where we pump gas into the rooms to make the bananas go from green to yellow hmm. um, it's ethylene gas um, and they're fascinating they're as big as football fields so imagine a football field room full of bananas hmm. um, and then they get to the market and hopefully you buy them because if you don't buy them and they go fully yellow, the grocery store throws them away because no one wants 
bananas that are fully yellow with spots on them. Um, so that's kind of the flow and our flow is much different. Our flow goes from the farm, they get washed and then they get sold directly to the mill, which means that there's much less, there's less loss at the sorting period of the business. There's less risk for the farmer because the farmer is already going to be guaranteed a price point. They're not trying to, they don't have to go to the open market and sell it, or they don't have to go to a, a, an importer and be like, Hey, I have some bananas for you and pay kind of not market price. Um, and then there's obviously less waste also here once it touches ground here, because at every stage of it touching another point, there's going to be some waste. Hmm. Is that all? <laughs> Just incredible. simple things. Right. That's incredible. And um, and then so how did you how did you decide like, hey, this is, you know, um, this is how we're going to do this. This is how we're going to make this a little bit different uh, than in the way it's normally done. And since it's also really great. Um, you know, uh, product for, for food. Like let's, let's, let's do this right now. So I, I made it in my kitchen. There it is. <laughs> uh, I, I baked and, 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 you know, it's, it was joking. My brother, he's like, man, what is this big box you just got? And I'm like, Oh, like it's my third food processor because I, I literally food process this in my kitchen. Um, I, you know, I make every batch and very scientific about it. Mm. Um, had some, had some friends fortunately taught me how to bake because before I did this business, I'd never baked before. And my mom's like, you've never baked before. You're going to bake crackers. And I'm like, yeah, like, I don't know, figure it out. And so figured it out. But, you know, it's by no means a very straightforward product. Um, we're about 500 batches in probably in terms of making flour and rolling it and getting people to eat it and think, think about things. Our original product was actually with cheese. So we were making like a paleo gut health product that had cheese. So you still had the cheese flavor. But in 2018 was 19 was kind of like the time where like plant based was just starting to hit in like beyond my super hippie to be vegan friends. And I was like, you know what? We need to go make this plant based because five years from now, I'm going to look pretty dumb if I have a cheese based banana flour product like it, gut health is going to be aligned with plant based. Fair on the pivot. Uh, and, and for anybody listening, uh, the ancient provision crackers uh, if you try them with bitchin sauce they're really good <laughs> there's something magical about the crackers with dip i don't know what it is but there's they're something incredible. magical about it i had it with an almond ricotta um from kite hill the other day i tried it with a pesto i think it was also from kite hill and then i tried it with uh which is a vegan pesto and I tried it with the the bitchin sauce the other day I, most people can get it at costco if you're in the states depending i guess what side of the country you're on uh which is also plant-based it's amazing <laughs> so, so pretty good so so, so a cult favorite yeah amongst our friends i'm actually meeting with my friend that does it today try this kite hill cream cheese mm. my crackers um it's his favorite he's he, he's all about the kite hill cream cheese yeah uh last night i actually ate um it's the kite hill cream cheese um the chi uh, onion and chive uh, yes. one with the crackers uh, yes that's how i finished yeah. the first box <laughs> was actually last night that's the move apparently according to, <laughs> according to according to a lot of our fans which they've been like this is the move and then every once in a while if he wants to treat himself he'll throw a little slice of salami on there and i'm like plant-based plant-based and then salami but that's okay yeah no it's i mean hey whatever people do but yeah um that was uh that's the move for sure uh, and I see Maddie likes the with the bitchin' sauce as well too. Yeah, it's so good, so good. Uh, this is incredible. Everything you guys are doing. What like what do you have coming up? Like what's what's next? You know, in this this stage that you're in right now. 
we're going through an interesting time. Um, maybe it's not the most conducive thing to be talking about on the podcast, but we, we are currently going through a rebrand. So, so, so we're, so we're finding that, um, while our product's great, ancient provisions is not the easiest thing to remember. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's kind of a long word. A lot of people can't spell, <laughs> which is also a little bit of an American psychology thing where it's like, look guys, it's not like that foreign of a word. It's not a German word or a French word, but we find there's a lot of people who forget. So we're, we're changing the brand name a little bit. Um, and we're also going to be launching two new flavors. So, so, so we're excited about that. Um, we just raised around the capital. So, you know, that's been, that's been exciting to kind of get going with, 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 with some more money other than my own, um, and, and growing the business, man. It's been, it's been fun. You know, uh, I mean, maybe, uh, I'm a sucker for the original name. I, I like ancient provisions. I think you should do like, keep like a cool archive, you know, <laughs> of, of the, of the progress and like maybe even bring, bring like, um, a subcategory back, you know, or something like that later on. I don't know. Uh, but I, but I hear you. It's it, cuz we want a lower barrier to entry for people without sacrificing um quality and um purpose, right? You know. And, Agreed. Cuz yeah. cuz at the end of the day, I think about it this way, right? Health It's we think of if you're if you're already a healthy consumer, you're like, I eat this because of X reason. But if you're not a healthy consumer and you're just an average Joe Schmo off the street, you eat everything. I, I call it an equal opportunity eater, which I would argue most people probably are equal opportunity eaters. But, you know, the loudest people in the room are not equal opportunity eaters because the equal opportunity eater is like, I will go with you to Sweet Green. I will also go with you to Chick-fil-A and I will also go with you to some fancy steakhouse. And I will also go with you to get sushi down the street. Mm-hmm. In most friend groups, if you go to those four places, you're not going with the same people. You're going with your Chick-fil-A friend is not your sushi friend. And your sushi friend is not your steak friend. Right. At least that's how things are kind of forming today. And so what we are kind of realizing is, look, in food, it's most important to find a pro- find a way to position the product that people think of your product as healthy and then, second of all, find the thing that people really appreciate and like that they will find to justify buying that healthy thing. Because it's almost impossible to make a healthy thing that costs the same price as the unhealthy thing. So true. Right? So, so it's really like, you know, why do you buy a beverage at Whole Foods versus a beverage probably across the street at 7-Eleven that costs a dollar more? And look, truthfully, I think everybody knows it's not going to be a hundred times better to have the whole foods thing, but it makes you, it makes you feel better emotionally and probably physically a little bit as well. And And it's wrapping your mind around that. Like, I think the thing that people aren't grasping when it comes to health versus not health is the emotionality behind it. Right. And, and, and it's not guilt tripping. But it's just this idea of like, look, if I feel 2% better physically, that means maybe I feel 10% better emotionally. And that means maybe mentally I feel 15% better. So that dollar is worth it now. All day long. I'll, I'll take, look, at the end of the day, I want to constantly optimize and feel better. Period. End of story. And if I can continue to keep compound interest on that, <laughs> you know. Without getting toxic. Without getting toxic. Right? 
Like, mm-hmm. like you don't want to be the guy who's like, I got to carry my orb, my glass orb of water with me because right. this water is what makes my being. And my right. body's made of all this water. It's like, look, dude, <laughs> relax. Like, right. Extremism. You know, and, yeah, and, and, like, and, like, like we get too extreme and it's like, look, I get it, man. Like water is really important to you. But at the same time, like that actually starts negatively impacting your mental health. Yes. When it costs your peace and stresses you out, it's counterintuitive. Right? Yes. You know, that's amazing. I mean, yeah, you know, Alex this is amazing. Uh, where, where can everybody find out more about you, uh, the brand online, maybe connect with you or, you know, all the all the spaces you guys exist. Yeah, I would say, you know, ancientprovisions.com is where you can learn more about the brand, the packaging, the product. Um, just as happy to have you buy on Amazon or Whole Foods here in Arizona, Southern California, Hawaii and Nevada. Um, also Amazon as well. You know, like, like, like by no means, guys, do you have to buy from our website? Perfectly happy to have you buy from Amazon. We actually make way more money buying on Amazon than we do on our own <laughs> website. So happy to have you go through Amazon and that's easier for everybody. Um, and feel free to reach out, you know, on Instagram at Ancient Provisions or, you know, email me directly, alex at ancientprovisions.com. Amazing, amazing. And uh, I always tell this to all of our guests. It's a journey-driven podcast. So you're welcome back on anytime. And like, you know, a couple months from now, half a year from now, a year from now, I mean, life is changing very fast daily. <laughs> so Let's do it. I mean, I'd love to come yeah. back and we have a new milestone. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Especially maybe after the you finish the rebrand, we'd love to talk about that, you know, and then like what you went through with that. And then and we could pick any number of topics, but um, you're welcome back on anytime. Again, journey-driven podcast. So uh, just really, really, truly appreciate you having you on. Yeah, appreciate it. Absolutely. Kick back for one second for everybody listening. Alex Duong, uh, Ancient Provisions, at Ancient Provisions on Instagram, ancientprovisions.com. You can find out uh, more information there. You can buy the product on Amazon, Whole Foods, um, you know, uh, but you can also reach out if you have any questions. Uh, listen, I, like I, you guys all, all know, I'm, I constantly say all the decisions you make in your life have to come from yourself. Just, I just urge and recommend that you always be thinking about your health. I promise you, if you put your health first, the other problems that you may be having in your life usually tend to solve themselves a little bit quicker, sometimes completely, without even having to do extra work on them or stress. Start with your health. Um, you know, the, the more I started doing that, the greater the outcomes I started noticing and the greater choices I started making, right? And it doesn't have to be stressful. It doesn't have to be like, you know, you have to completely change everything overnight. I actually took the long road and I've been really enjoying creating as a lifestyle versus like, I'm going to have this in 90 days. I don't do that crap. (laughs) I just don't like, and it's been amazing to watch like my body change, my mind and gut health change and feeling better naturally. Um, And then just really enjoying the process versus sometimes, you know, how pressure people can feel. So I said, I urge you guys to really, really just take that into consideration for Alex Duong, for myself, Matt Gosson, for us separately. Appreciate you guys. Thank you for all the amazing feedback. And we're out.